I can't say for certain something is the right feeling. It's a mixture of stuff. Thrill, happy, joy. I don't know, it's, it's like life. It could be different person to person. I'd say one way is maybe content. Just content with everything you have. Yeah, actually that's, I would say something similar to that. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Right Feeling Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about sustainability and empathy with the question, is sustainability really for everyone? But before I do that, I should probably introduce myself. Um, I realize that I haven't done that yet, but my name is Jane and to know a little bit more about me and what I value and why I started this podcast, I have two big passions. One is people and two is the environment. And that all circulates around the experiences that I have with the world and the feelings that are associated with those experiences. And these feelings are what actually make me value whatever experiences and relationships I've built much more. And yeah, I mean, you'll come to know me more and more and the other things I value and whatnot through the coming podcast episodes on today's podcast. I'm going to be talking about sustainability and what its ultimate goal is and how that, in my opinion, has been slightly misaligned with the current trend of sustainability and its exclusion of certain groups and very necessary groups as part of the overall sustainability conversation and weaving in conversations that I've had with complete strangers to give you context, I had gone to Morrow Park in Berlin sometime in January and I had just been asking um, some people there whether or not they really think sustainability is for everyone. And then fast tracking to today, um, I actually just got back from London and I was lucky enough to see the Extinction Rebellion that's going on. I had the chance to speak with people that were part of the movement and even passerbyers that weren't too fond of the movement, let's put it that way. And I tried to talk to police officers actually, but um, they responded with, uh, they're actually not allowed to have an opinion <laughs> and apologized. Um, I wanted to get as much perspective as possible. So... To get into this, I'm going to kick off with this chant from the Extinction Rebellion. We are protesting to demand the government takes emergency action on the climate and ecological crisis. We have entered a period of abrupt climate breakdown and are in the midst of mass extinction. If we continue to ignore the current environmental situation, we will experience an unprecedented level of disruption within our lifetimes. We face floods, wildfires, extreme weather, crop failure, mass migration, and the breakdown of society. The time for denial is over. It is time to act.
when I pose this question of what is this movement for with the people at the Extinction Rebellion, this is why they said they were out there. So what we're trying to do is start a national conversation about climate change. So this is the fifth day of being here. It's an amazing experience. Everyone is very peaceful. Uh, we're looking after each other and uh, we just feel like we're doing the right thing for the planet and for humanity and it's a very powerful driver to, to be kind and to care. And I'm moved daily, hourly, by the things I see and the people I talk to. I think we're doing it for for life, really. It's not just ourselves, if that makes sense. We've been campaigning on the green issues for 20, 30 years. Emissions are only going up. So there's a level of frustration now. Uh, we need to act quickly. This is a survival issue now. So you could, um, you could talk about fear, and fear is either something like, you know, running away, or fear is about rising up and facing whatever's confronting you and I think that's what this is about this is about rising up and facing what's the future and being ready for it and doing something constructive about it one of the things that I had asked them was what emotions do you think is driving this movement the heart of this movement is is quite honestly it's love and on top of that it's fear so we love our future children, we love the people that we can see in the world now, we love the planet and we love animals and we are fearful about the future of our planet and that's the reason why we're here. Everyone here is panicking, everyone, everyone here wants to live in a world that's feasible and where we have food security and where we have biodiversity and the future generations can enjoy the privileges that we've had today. And I think, so yeah, basically the reason why we're here is very simple and we just want politicians to take reasonable action on it. I think that's a really interesting answer because of course the fear is taking over in the sense that you don't want to lose what you love. You don't want to lose things for the people that you love. And in that sense, I do think that the sustainability movement is an intention for everyone. Now, what I question is, is the sustainability movement of living sustainably, the preaching that comes along with the sustainability movement really for everyone. And I think this is where we get into some shaky territory because the way that it's currently being sold, at least a big part of it, is what I see with bio shops or organic shops um, where prices are hiked up to maybe four or five euros for a certain product where maybe even produce that comes without plastic wrapping is actually more expensive than the produce that comes with plastic wrapping. And of course, you can go into the economy of more sustainable measures and why actually some prices are justified. But I think more often than not, the environmentalist movement is as it rightly should, pushing personal social responsibility. That's a big factor in sustainability progress in terms of solutions to mitigate climate change. I think there are other approaches that are necessary as well, including government action and industry action. But without these three working together, you have a weak foundation and you need all these players to be working together towards sustainability. 
So I'm concentrating on the personal social responsibility aspect of sustainability. And from what I see and have experienced in the past few years is that the environmentalist movement is really pushing zero waste, um, organic, eating less meat, of course. And, and I think what is often missing from this conversation is empathy. And that's empathy for either the people that don't really care very much about the environmentalist movement, but also the people who don't have the time, the energy, or the money to try and prioritize this. It was interesting because this was also the same stream of thought that the group of women I had spoken with in Morrow Park in Berlin had to say. It should be for everyone, but I don't think everyone is able to do it. Like, I don't think everyone is ready for this, definitely not. I think it should be for, like, everyone should try to have another kind of lifestyle that is more sustainable for the world itself, but definitely we don't have, because we have consumerism that is controlling all of that. So, no, people are forced to have these works. They are forced, like, for example, in my country, like, people to have a, a financial sustainability, they have to get two jobs, for example. Of course, they will not have the time to do all of this. So I don't think that people that don't have time can do either recycle or this. They don't care. They arrive home, they're dead. They they are like deliver some time for their family and some love and they go enjoy themselves and this is a circle and uh, it's very hard to get out of there because the people who want to afford these two jobs, they are not thinking about the country, the South, they are t thinking about something bigger, which probably is their families. It's not a wrong idea either, but like they're being consumers as well because they want to afford other kind of living. But it's really hard. You cannot say to a person, like, quit your jobs and go live like a hippie in the jungle. Like, <laughs> I could imagine somebody working maybe nine, ten hour shifts or even a night shift and then getting home and then they have to maybe prepare, I don't know, dinner for their kids or something like that. And They're just really tired and like all they're thinking really about is survival, right? In the sense of day to day, what can I afford? What can I feed my kids? How can I get by? And I think the people that fall within this description are the people who are missing from this sustainability conversation. And, you know, when people are tired and they don't have the time or the energy or the money to buy these really expensive sustainable goods, it's less likely for them to actually adopt sustainability into their own lives. That's not to say that it's impossible, but I just think that it makes it very difficult for them to take part in this cause at at all. And definitely I would agree on a greater existential sense for the human race, for this planet. These are extremely important concepts to understand and to grasp and to take action against. But on another level, the groups that we are also fighting for that aren't even part of this discussion, they're not thinking about climate change. They're thinking about the day-to-day -day survival. And of course, This sustainability movement is thinking and considering the overall survival of this planet, of our species, of other species. But there are some people that just don't have the capacity to be thinking about greater survival when they're thinking only about their own. And I think that's where we need empathy in understanding their situation and finding a way to speak with them, converse with them about their issues and 
I mean, the thing is, like, how can we help them with their survival, but at the same time taking action to help the survival of the entire planet? And that's where the system has to come in, right? But definitely, I mean, the floods, these wildfires, they are actually going to end up affecting people with lower incomes, the very same people that don't have the capacity to be considering these things. And so I found it very interesting to hear what some people had to say when I posed this question to them. I think we've got to have different ways of communicating with people. I think the green people like me, we kind of want facts. We're driven by the moral arguments and things like that. But not everyone is. We have different values. So we have to speak to their values. And I think for them, it might be about economy. It might be about efficiency. Does that make sense? bicycle paths and things like that but you come to Berlin or to other countries and you're like wow this is really like fast forward thinking <laughs> I also think that, that it's um, all comparative because in Kenya they've completely banned plastic bags and that's an entire country and they just don't have plastic bags and people are still able to do their shopping and they're still poor and they're relative, relatively compared to us are extremely poor we think we're poor but we're actually not we're in the, the top 25% of the planet as far as kind of wealth disparity is concerned. And if a country like Kenya, which on the economic global level is low, can ban plastic bags and everyone's still there shopping, um, it's possible. Why can't we... And even in um, England, they stopped uh, giving away plastic bags. And people don't buy plastic bags, they carry plastic bags around with them and they're able to do it. So it's possible, and if the government... We have to actually put the pressure on the governments to make... Um, make to make Yeah, to make stronger steps, because... And actually in the UK, they're looking at banning plastic straws and single-use things, so it's possible. So like supermarkets. It comes with... In a plastic box. In London, they already started, like, budgets already started, like, taking out all the plastic from the supermarket. In Tesco, they did a great protest. So I think that it is moving forward. Like Nuria said, that I think that it is moving, but the thing is that global warming and everything is moving much faster than what we are moving. And I don't don't know if it's going to be avoidable or... I don't think so. I think that this is just shaking us. Like, global warming is coming, all the difference in temperatures and everything, but this is going to suddenly hit us. And I don't know if we're on time, you know. It should be all the world involved, and this is the problem. The money is involved. That's the, what I think. What is slowing governments making the really important steps to really take it seriously? Because we could ban plastic tomorrow across the across the globe if all the governments agree to do it. Yeah. So we're yes, really yeah. a push. We will whole... not get into this heritage. In Spain, they don't want to do all the recycling of bottles like they, they do in Germany because the biggest supermarkets, the three biggest supermarkets, don't want to do it because of the investment that it means to do all the plants, all the recycling like uh, machines and everything, they don't want to invest in it. They are not happy with it. So if they are not also making the, the change, like companies, the big companies that are in the middle of the country, like how are we going to, like, it's impossible. If we maintain that sustainability is for everyone, then true sustainable progress can only come about if everybody is part of that conversation. And that includes the people who are fighting for environmentalism, like the people that are at the Extinction Rebellion. But it also takes policymakers, it takes people in industry, it takes the wealthy, it takes people that don't care about sustainability, and it takes even the people who don't even have the time to think about sustainability to actually all join in this conversation so that we can make sustainable practices as as accessible as possible. 
um, both in understanding, but also in practice. Because, I mean, I think oftentimes we can get stuck in our own bubble and that bubble, no matter how well-intended, if you're in a bubble, then already you are excluding other people, right? Because there are people that fall outside your bubble. But ultimately what you want is for everybody to be together in this bubble, right? I mean, this bubble of earth. Um, but can we really do that if we're not empathizing with um, the situation that people might have and just preaching what it is that we believe in? without acknowledging the position that people might find themselves in and adapting how we speak about this issue with them. If the aim is to make change happen, then we need to find ways of really making change, effective change. Because this issue of climate change, of global warming, of just planetary catastrophe is going to affect them. I mean, the people that will be affected most are the people that are in these lower income countries that aren't even producing as much greenhouse gas emissions as the countries that have higher income, right? But at the same time, if you think about these lower income countries, what do you see? Oftentimes the rivers are extremely polluted with plastic. Um, I know my boyfriend was telling me in Indonesia, there's just rivers of trash, of plastic waste. And there are kids always burning trash because they don't know any better and they just think it looks cool. But everything there, at least in, in the area of Indonesia that he was in, is just packaged in plastic. Everything comes in a plastic bag. And the people that he interacts with there don't give much thought to that. It's just, it's just accepted, you know, okay, this is just my daily life. I go about things. I have to buy products. I'm just going to take what I'm given and I'm just going to buy what I need. And whatever byproduct that comes along with that, it comes along with that. So the question is, how do you engage with them? I mean, I definitely think that it is possible, but it's about systematic change, infrastructural change, government change, um, policy change. And I think government change and policy change are a little bit different um, just because I think government bodies need to be on board with this. And then policy change is the policies that they would implement to combat this. Um, but it also requires people's mentality to change. And how can we do that if we constantly push and push and push and we don't listen to the honest thoughts and concerns that others have, right? And here's another perspective on the environmentalist movement by somebody who shares her thoughts on environmentalists. I think they're very passionate, but also no tolerant enough with the people that doesn't enjoy uh, or doesn't follow the same lifestyle. So more patience, more tolerance, and try to approach people differently and not aggressively when they don't follow the rules. It's not easy for everyone to start living like that. It's a very complicated and modern lifestyle that not everyone is willing to dedicate that much time in living sustainable. And also sometimes I think it's very expensive. There were a few people that actually didn't believe in sustainability in Mara Park in Berlin. And they didn't actually want to be recorded. And they didn't want to talk because I think they just thought that I don't know, I would be judgmental, um, even though I was genuinely interested in hearing their opinion. Um, but I think that says a lot already about the perception of the sustainability movement 
in that if you don't agree with the sustainability movement and there's somebody that's talking to you that does believe in sustainability, you just don't even want to have a conversation because you feel that what you say is either going to be judged or you guys are going to get into some like pushy discussion about environmentalism, veganism, all these other movements that are happening that add to the environmentalist movement. Um, and I mean, I get that. I get these guys didn't want to be recorded. Um, but today I was very lucky enough to stumble across four young women. Uh, I think they might have been in high school. I don't know. These days it's kind of hard to tell for me, to be honest. They were very honest. Uh, don't really care. <laughs> don't really care, to be honest. I just think it's a bit irrelevant. Like, you can't really change the environment, so it's a bit stupid. I feel like no matter, I feel like no matter how much you like try and prevent like these stuff causing um, climate change, I don't think it's just going to keep happening. Like, I mean, we live in 20, 2019, so... <laughs> so <laughs> and it's quite a small so population of people right now that's actually... Um, like involved in the movement compared to like the actual world and like yeah. seven billion people no? just in my way like i need <laughs> to go past <laughs> and they're in my way so <laughs> i think minimizing plastic i think that is good i think that's something that we should all be doing like like, like paper straws and stuff. yeah recycling and stuff i think that that should be something we're all doing in the first place but, Do you hear about that cafe? They like use. You have to bring your own cup. Like they don't um, provide like plastic cups or anything. I think that's whack. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the question is: Do you guys think sustainable living is for everyone? No, not for everyone. Some people, just some people, don't care at all. So like, there's not much they can do to change it in a way. But yeah. Because like, if you don't have the time, then you're obviously not going to do it properly. So. <laughs> so yeah, um, some of these girls think it's whack that some cafes aren't providing you with a plastic cup that you have to bring your own cup. These girls just don't care. Some girls just thought that the process was just in their way and that it was annoying because it's like in the middle of the biggest shopping street in London. And it's like, okay, I want to be able to go around, do my business on my day off um, and, you know, have fun with my friends. And I just, I really wonder how we could engage with them. And I mean, maybe we might not be able to have that discussion with them, you know, because maybe they aren't in our friend groups. Um if I were the same age as them, I wouldn't have the urge to want to talk to them about these issues because the things that I value, I naturally will gravitate towards people who value the same or similar things, all right? And so that's where these bubbles come into play. And maybe you'll never actually have the, the real opportunity to talk to these other groups about these issues and about their thoughts and how we can actually work out something in terms of understanding and moving towards actual viable solutions and implementations from these discussions. But they're still important. It's still important to have them all on, on board somehow. And maybe that actually leads to the systematic change that I was talking about. Because just take, for example, where I come from in LA, um, you can find individually wrapped fruit within a larger bag of fruit or box of fruit. Um, 
I mean, if you are just going to the shop and seeing that the least expensive thing also comes with plastic packaging and you aren't so concerned about sustainability, then obviously you're going to buy that product that has a lot of packaging because it's cheap, because you can afford it. Then I think in that sense, it makes much more of an effect if we had a system change. So if the industry that was packaging this material decided to change their material or find a different way to preserve these foods during transport without plastic packaging. I mean, I think that there there are probably reasons for plastic packaging that um, the people in industry, grocery stores would understand that maybe I don't understand at the moment. Uh, although I do make it an effort to actually, because with my actual daytime job, I basically am part of a platform. Actually, it's called Food Unfolded. You can look it up, shameless plug here. Um, but we talk about technological innovations that help with sustainability within the whole food system. So yeah, maybe it's about getting these businesses on board in terms of making sustainable products, not a trend but a day-to-day commodity that people can actually afford. Maybe it's about finding a way for the government to subsidize these more sustainable products so that people can actually afford it. Or the way that farms operate now and make it more local, make it more organic, or find an incentive for farmers to move towards that besides just subsidies, because organic certification can actually be very, very difficult. But if maybe farmers um, had the incentive of, oh, they are in the process of becoming organic and having a sticker around that and having, um, I don't know, just some marketing around that so people know, hey, these farmers are actually trying and maybe I can actually purchase from them. Um, But all these different things require a system. It requires an infrastructural change. And in that sense, I do completely agree with the Extinction Rebellion purpose, which is to bring this kind of urgency to political figures, to industry figures, so that they really wake up and and try to actually make a change for a very urgent issue. Now, the effectiveness of this rebellion, um, I'm uncertain of, at least when I had, before I had gone to actually see this in person, what I saw on the media um, and even in social media was that people were getting arrested. They were sitting in front of buildings where people from industry or government officials would be meeting and it was kind of blocking their way and people had to overstep these protesters and I remember thinking, is this really effective? Are these politicians who are actually going into that meeting really considering what is being said out in the protests or are they just annoyed? Don't get me wrong. I do think that there is a place for these protests and there are going to be politicians that see the urgency of this. But in terms of effectiveness, I wish that there was something um, else that could take its place. Uh, But maybe that's why these protests are even taking place because they don't feel like there's any other option, right? Um, I do think that there is another way, which is that, I mean, now that I am working um, within the EU and also working with like startups and organizations and even companies who are trying to make a sustainable difference in terms of innovations, it's really cool to see that there is actually a market for this and businesses are aware 
Like know that businesses are aware. Now the challenge though, is to convince them in addition to making profit and continuing their business, um, to actually make changes, to make changes, right. For the betterment of the entire world and not purely just for profit, because yeah, I used to think that if a business was about profit, then it was just bullshit and nothing that they did could be trusted. But now I do think that there is nothing wrong with wanting to make a profit because it's how businesses maintain themselves. But it has to be more than just about making a profit. It has to include other values as well. It cannot just be about greed. And that's why I really um, enjoy talking with this one rebeller from uh, the Extinction Rebellion. And this is actually what he had to say. Well, I think that you bring up a really interesting point about um, the trendiness of eco-living because it, as, as it becomes more of a trend, obviously companies that aren't, you know, you see a lot of greenwashing in companies and companies that aren't uh, interested in being sustainable are buying into the sustainability trend to get more customers. And absolutely there are eco-shops that sell things for huge markups and it's so, it can be really expensive to be clean living but also it can be really inexpensive because people some people some places have been offering us the things that we need to be sustainable and eco-friendly for ages before it became a trend you know there's so many like ethnic supermarkets that don't use the same plastic packaging that we use or like bulk supermarkets there's loads of them but i think the label of like we're an eco store is what drives price up so you make a really good point about it can be unsustainable and really expensive for some people but i think that's a product of the kind of culture that we've got around eco-living at the moment and the way that it's being promoted. I think the point of this is about changing the world so that those people can find it really easy to be sustainable because that's the whole point. It's like if we get worldwide sustainability and companies stop trying to do sustainability because it's trendy and actually realise that it's a thing that needs to change, then it will be really easy to go to Tesco and buy plastic-free groceries and it will be really easy for everyone to live a clean life. But of course, yeah... Maybe we are in a position of privilege, but it's a good thing to use your privilege to a positive outcome, I think. Quite emotional, quite emotional. It's, re- it's really like inspiring to see so many people coming out because like, I feel like this is like the biggest movement I've seen like in London and it's incredible how many people are getting involved and like showing support, but everyone's from all different backgrounds here and I think that's really inspiring to see. I think the concept of sustainability and a sustainable lifestyle is really amazing. But my only caution is that we really need to find different ways of communicating with people who might not have the same priorities. And yeah, it's about trying to include as much people and hopefully everybody into this conversation in order to come up with real solutions that can be implemented systematically, but can also meet the needs that people who are living day to day uh, or day by day are going through. Yeah, I think we need a lot more empathy within the environmentalist movement to try to understand the different groups in this discussion. And I would just hope that the right feeling that we can eventually reach with this is that we end up being able to to be able to talk about these issues with one another and people with different opinions without getting angry but to really come to a common understanding and a middle ground for moving forward 
Like I, I hope that this kind of inspiration that these people felt from the Extinction Rebellion, um, I really hope that that's the kind of feeling that can spur through different groups once you reach that middle ground. Maybe it's too optimistic, but that's the hope, you know. I hope that you enjoy this episode of The Right Feeling. These are the kind of topics that I also want to be touching on. Sustainability is quite different from self-honesty as a subject, um, but ultimately I am trying to find the right feeling in the variety of topics because you can find the right feeling in all of these subjects and in doing so, I do think that it can move us toward something greater. So yeah, and there's going to be more to come. Um, like for example, artificial intelligence, that's going to be an interesting one, I think. Uh, on next week's podcast, I'm actually going to be speaking with my friend Sylvia. And we're going to be talking about the be nice imperative and the difference between nice and kindness and the ego linked to just being nice. So look forward to that next week. And don't forget to subscribe, rate this if you like this podcast. You can follow The Right Feeling on Instagram at therightfeeling underscore. All right. Well, look forward to feel the feels with you next week.